they're good, right? I don't really remember. Uh, okay, they're good, I think. They're good. Welcome to episode 28 of the Go For Two podcast, the podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. I'm Brent Klein, and my co-host is Jenna Alike. And Jenna, look, you had that week-long layover. You've been chomping at the bit trying to get some Raiders action. They had the bye week. How did it feel to have to sit to the side? This is the most disappointing thing almost ever. Not, I mean, losing sucks too, but this was almost as bad. Because now we're just sitting here. We're on this high. All of Raider Nation, there's a buzz. We're feeling ourselves. Coach Gruden even said, like, this is the worst possible time to have a bye week. Because momentum's there. We're here to make a momentum push and a momentum swing within the AFC. And what happens? They have a chance to take a break. That's a, that's a killer. That's a What'd killer. What would you do? What would you even do with your Sunday? don't even think I watch much football. Be yeah, right. because it's not the same. You know, you can't even you can't even build around. Like, if you're watching a Chiefs-Chargers Chiefs game, then you can invest in, oh, I'm a Raiders fan. I want this to happen because I'm a Raiders fan. But at this point, it kind of loses the buzz. I don't know. It's, it's, it, it doesn't have the same vibrato. Either way. Yeah, it's not the same. And usually I can't even watch my Raiders. But Sunday Night Football, we got prime time, which means I'll be able to watch it. So contrary to what Jana wants you to believe, there was football this week. Life goes on even without the Raiders, and there is a lot to talk about on this edition of the Go For Two podcast. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers get walloped by Tom Brady and the Bucks, 38 to 10. The Eagles fall short in a big fourth quarter comeback, and the Giants so show some life in the NFC East. But Jenna, we begin today with a COVID-19 update, which I feel like is something we do every week at this point. A few developments, the Panthers and the Falcons both closed their facilities due to many COVID-19 outbreaks. So what do you have to say about that, that all these precautionary measures midweek and it's slowing down game prep? It's slowing down the whole process. And we've seen, you know, this hasn't caused any games to be pushed back or anything crazy like that. But let me just say, the double headers on Monday nights, I kind of really like it. We're yeah. even getting some football on a Tuesday. The more football spread out over time, the better. Because it's always like a lag after Monday. You know, you have Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you get a crappy Thursday night game. And then another layover from Friday, Saturday. There's just well, I mean, really, there's only – there are only really two days There's as a buffer because you have Sunday, which is glorious. Then you have Monday, fine, and one or two games, fine. Then Tuesday, you might not always have football, but you have the podcast, so it's mm-hmm. okay. It's, it's really only one day, Wednesday. Get over the hump. That's, that's right. Hump day. Hump day is going to kill you every time. But – that's like just one thing I want to point out about the COVID thing. There has been a few pluses and the things, things like this, like there's only been a couple players and that's, what's kind of frustrating. I think it's just that it, if I were, you know, a member of the organization is that you do have to exercise an abundance of caution. Like that's another buzzword that we hear week to week, whether in all of sports is just an abundance of caution. And it is kind of annoying when it's like, Oh, but it's just one guy, but we, we you got to like, make sure it doesn't spread because you don't want a Titan situation. Right. And the Titans, there was just an investigation into their big outbreak that actually postponed one of their games against the Steelers. And the NFL finds minimal violations, minimal penalties. There's a few fines here and there, but overall 
the investigation came back clean. The Titans, I feel like they got they got off not easy, but they're lucky in this situation. They're definitely the winners of this whole situation rather than the COVID outbreak and the shuffling of the schedule. But I was almost sure that the NFL was going to try and make an example of Tennessee and really nail them for this. And it doesn't seem like that's the case. So I think the takeaway from this for me was be careful. Like, you don't want to be team number two because it looks like they're kind of ramping up and it's like, okay, here's your warning, NFL teams. The Titans used your one, your one warning card and whoever is next is going to get nailed. Yeah, and maybe I'm just being cynical, but a lot of critics out there are thinking, man, I wonder if this was the Jets, what the NFL would have done. Maybe they would have made an example out of them. A lesser team, the Lions or something like that. But the Titans are a perennial Super Bowl contender, so maybe the NFL wanted to go a little easier on them just to make sure they didn't shake up the playoff picture. But a little shake up in the playoff picture was with the packers Bucks game. That was going to be interesting either way, just because it's Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers for just the third time in their decorated careers. And what happened? Well, the Bucks killed the Packers 38-10. to And Jenna, after the game, Aaron Rodgers said that, quote, the Packers needed a kick in the ass. His words, not mine. So what do you have to say about this? Not only about the Packers losing by 28 to a team that has shown weakness in the Bucks but also Aaron Rodgers' reaction afterwards. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, I feel like all of the games, as we start, you know, transitioning into um, just, like, going back and looking at some of these games, there was a lot of just, like, question marks for me. Teams that I thought were locks, lost. Teams that I thought were bad, were upsetting, good teams. So it kind of just shuffled everything in my brain. I'm a little bit confused. I think this win gives the Packers, or sorry, the Bucks, more validity, I guess, in in their record, um, because the Packers, I've said it that I thought they were one of the most complete teams. And another thing that's very glaring about Aaron Rodgers' performance, in particular, was the two turnovers that were costly. He doesn't do that. That's just not how Aaron Rodgers plays football. So they figured out a formula. That, that worked for them, and I think the Bucks, the Bucks are good. I know they're not super analytical, but that's just what I'm thinking. Like, they're a good team. They've had their ups and downs in the beginning, and it kind of – well, we're going to talk about the Bears win later, but it kind of brings some legitness to the Bears, I think, too. So, it's – everything is all shuffled in my brain. I have no opinions about any teams now because anyone can do anything on any given week, and I guess that's the beauty of sports, right? Yeah, I mean, look, maybe, right? You kind of hinted at two things. One, that Aaron Rodgers turned the ball over twice and that the Buccaneers kind of found a formula of beating Aaron Rodgers and that now you're clueless. But let me tell you, this is a display of something that we already knew, which is that the Bucs defense is immaculate. They allow under 20 points per game, and that, that's one of the best marks in the NFL And that's, by the way, not surprising. There have been a lot of surprises in the NFL in 2020. That's not one of them. We knew that the Bucs would have a good defense. And the Bucs knew that they would have a good defense. That's why they brought Tom Brady in, used the Peyton Manning model. Like, hey, we're going to have a guy that doesn't turn the ball over, and we're going to win games not because of that guy, but because of the defense. And he's going to keep our defense in the game. That's the model. And that's exactly 
what happened on Sunday is that Tom Brady's going to get his points. Tom Brady's going to do this and that. But they won the game because they were able to shut down Aaron Rodgers, which is not common. So I'm not looking at this game if I'm pretty much any other team other than maybe the Bills, the 49ers, any team with an elite defense. If I'm not one of those teams, I can't look at the tape and say, oh, okay, that's how we beat Aaron Rodgers. I got it now. That's the Bible. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think it's also – we didn't, we didn't talk about this. I didn't plan on talking about this, but Gronk kind of like yeah. did things. He exists again. Um, that's just something I thought I would know because, yeah, I think the thing about the Bucks that you didn't really mention was the fact that they felt like they did have a complete team. These They were, you know, Super Bowl or bust type attitude because they brought in Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette. You had Mike Evans. You have – Rob Gronkowski, you have all these guys. You figured out all the holes on in the offense. You know, Tom Brady's not going to do anything immaculate, but he, he can win games. We've seen that for the past 20 years. Um, so I think the fact that they put up almost 40 points on the Packers is also really significant because I think this is one of their first complete wins where I felt like everyone contributed. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're moving on to the other side of the NFC with a struggling team in the Philadelphia Eagles, and they fall just short of the Baltimore Ravens, 30-28. to 28. But Jenna, you have to look a little deeper into the score sheet, to the box score, and see exactly how this one went down. The Eagles scored 22 points in the fourth quarter. They just fell short. Does this tell you more about the Eagles and their heart or the Ravens and their ability to hold off a comeback? I think, interesting worded question because I think it shows us something about the Eagles but I the thing that I think it shows us is it positive I think it just shows us that they're not good <laughs> like I think we know that all the teams in the NFC East are kind of a disaster right now but it kind of reminded me of I don't remember when it was um I can't remember 26 whatever the the Browns win oh and 16 they had a chance a wide open pass, all the guy, the receiver had to do, I don't remember who it is at this point, all the receiver had to do was catch it and walk into the end zone. And he drops the pass. And the Browns end up going, oh, and 16. This was very similar, just like you had the opportunity to win the game. You were literally right there. And you couldn't do that. And that's what separates good teams from bad teams. Teams who can win games and teams who can't win games. And you – did all the work to come back, it really doesn't mean much to me unless you win the game and you complete the comeback. So I think it just shows that the Eagles, they're not good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you have to paint a picture in your head, right? They're down big to a great team in Baltimore. They're 1-3-1 one, and one on the year. They have a struggling quarterback. They're in the worst division. And at that point, figure third quarter, even halftime, it's, a, it's, it's warranted if you're an Eagles fan to be down, right? And the team didn't give up, which is just incredible because if you're an Eagle, you have a right to be down. Now, should you be down in, in the sense that should you give up? Never, absolutely not. But easier said than done, right? And the Eagles did not let up at all. So they come back or they try from down 22. Look, you have to just wake up and, and take a look at this NFC East because – the Eagles are still very much involved in the playoff push. They're one, four, and four, and four and one on the year. Cowboys are in first place, and they're two and four. So 
the Eagles ironically have a chance. Honestly, I think if they want to make the playoffs, they have ample opportunity. Whether it's with Carson Wentz or not, I don't know. Jalen Hurts might take over in the second half of the year if they're still doing this poorly. And it's possible that the division is still attainable when that happens. So maybe that's a breath of fresh air for the Eagles. I don't know. But I think it's a good sign, a good culture sign that they're not giving up. Don't forget that they're being coached by a guy that won a Super Bowl. So, like, typically we look at this team and say, man, they have all these problems. This good quarterback is regressing. This coach has to go. But this guy won a Super Bowl. Doug Peterson knows what he's doing. And if he can breed that culture and kind of muster through the struggles, then maybe they have a chance. But, look, that's not the only team in the NFC East that is down in the the dumps but still has a chance. The Giants won on a last-minute scoop and score they beat the football team 20-19. to 19. My question to you, Jenna, is if the Eagles have a chance, the Giants a little less, but do the Giants have a chance to win the NFC East? Any team in this division has a chance to win the NFC East. It's ridiculous. Even you the think, football team? Even, even the, right now, even the football team, which it would take, you know, a huge turnaround, I think, the football, the Washington football team is the team that is least likely to do that. Um, I think it's definitely a, a three-man race, but mathematically speaking, I think all four of them are in the race still, which is insane and shouldn't be happening in the NFL. But here we are. I think it's either going to be the Cowboys or the Eagles. I think that talent-wise, they have it. They're just – I don't know what the missing link is. The, uh, there was um, statements released from players, not official statements, but um, on NFL Network, just murmurings from outside of the Cowboys organization that coaches – that players saying coaches don't know what they're doing, that they're putting in almost no effort, just like crazy things. So I It think, sounds a lot like what Aaron Rodgers was saying about Mike McCarthy too. Yeah, it's <laughs> – some things are lining up. So I think that's going to hold hold the Cowboys back. Andy Dalton did not look good last night um, against whoever they played because, of course, I'm not thinking about it now. The Arizona Cardinals, yes. Against the Arizona Cardinals, just the whole team the whole team looked deflated. Zeke had two fumbles. I, I mean, at least that's where I stopped watching because I was like, oh, this is a cakewalk for the Cardinals. But I think that – and then I think the Eagles, with some better luck in – Putting some things together, maybe they do need that little bit of an energy boost. Put the jumper cables in the car and put Jalen Hurts in there. That's the most dynamic. I mean, when I've seen Jalen Hurts get, you know, a few sweeps or whatever, and he's been in the game, it's it's the, the offenses look different, and I'd like to see what he looks like under center. But I think those are the two most likely teams. But your question was, do the Giants have a chance? The NFC East, and the answer, mathematically, is yes. Anything else beyond that? I mean, ignore the math. We know that mathematically it's still fairly early in the season, and the division is deplorable. So we know mathematically they have a chance. What do you think the percentage is, the percentage odds that they make it? I don't know. I would have to run a simulation. A stimulation, I think it is, in R. There we go, using my sport analytics jargon. I can maybe whip that up, and I can tell you exactly who's going to win this this, um, this division 
by analytics was there's a big analytics push in football, but honestly, if we, I don't know the percentage, but if you wanted a more, if, if you wanted a more genuine answer of like how I truly feel, like what do I actually think if the Giants have an actual chance, I don't think they do. And that's for the reasons I listed above. You have the Cowboys and the Eagles who have talent on their teams. I just don't think it's working together. I get it. You know, the Giants defense, I feel like, has a chance to catch fire and kind of propel them. If Danny Dimes doesn't turn the ball over, then they have a chance. I give them a 15% chance to make the playoffs just based on winning the division by default. If the Cowboys are this bad, which I don't think they are, but if they are, then it is 1,000% up for grabs for the Giants. really is. And by the way, while we're on the subject of the Cowboys, can you imagine – being Dak Prescott's agent watching the game last night, beer in one hand, cigar in the other, just man, man, look at what this offense is without my client. Oh, oh, this offensive line isn't good. Who knew? Turns out Dak Prescott should be getting paid. So that was, that was big for Dak Prescott and his pocket for sure. And and his agent's pocket. Absolutely. All right, Brad, we're going to continue on looking at some games we're going to be doing some more deep analysis i'm just kidding we don't you know we're just going to keep keep chatting about these games um and the next kind of question maybe not specific about the game but the bears are five and one right now are they legit they're legitimately (laughs) going to make the playoffs because it'd be really difficult to miss after starting the season like this five and one but no they haven't beaten anyone they beat the giants they beat the lions two teams that picked in the top five of the draft last year. They beat the Falcons, who fired their coach, uh, the Panthers, who have a first-year head coach, and they beat the Bucks, which I'll give it to them. That, that's a good win. They lost to the Colts, by the way, which, you know, we're, neither one of us are big Colts fans either. So that's their resume. That's what they've done. Basically, they have a cupcake schedule through six games, and now they're 5-1. and one. But again, it's going to be really hard to miss the playoffs after starting 5-1. and one. When they get there, I think they'll flop. When they start playing actual teams that actually deserve to be in the playoffs, then sure, they'll flop. But for now, they're legitimately a playoff team. Yeah, this one was, was kind of hard for me just because of that Bucks win. They beat the Bucks, and then you see what the Bucks did to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah, but the question is, was it the same Bucks team? Did they beat the same Bucks team that beat the Packers? Because I think the Bucks got a lot better between that Bears loss and the Packers win. I guess. Like, it, it, I, it's not like they, like, you know, gained anybody back or lost anybody. No, so but you can... mentioned that Rob Gronkowski took a big step up this week. So that's that's a big development for the Buccaneers. I guess. I I, I still think that the Bucs have, have been good. They're just going through the ebbs and flows of all the everything that's new um, to their team. So that's, like, the one thing that's – kind of making giving me pause about saying that they're not legit but I don't think they're legit that's the thing like it's like it's the Bears led by Nick Foles I'm confused because that sentence logically in my brain I say not legit just but right now they're sitting at the top of the NFC North that's saying something Again, I don't think they're going to make it very far in the playoffs. Who knows? Nick Foles is Nick Foles. He'll do Nick Foles things in the playoffs. But, man, I think it's just another one of those situations that we keep talking about of, like, good defense 
mediocre offense were carrying things throughout. Yeah. I don't know. This one, this one was a head scratcher for me, for sure. Well, that was their model, right? That's what they wanted Mitch Trubisky to be, like that game manager, give me the guy that's not going to be the reason we lose. And turns out he couldn't even do that. But Nick Foles has been doing it pretty well since taking over for, for Mitch Trubisky. So I, I don't know. I, I think the Bears are fool's gold. But we'll see. When the schedule gets harder in the latter half of the year, we're going we're gonna to learn a lot about the Bears. I agree. I don't think, I don't think they make uh, a huge playoff run, but I do think it is. They can legitimately make it to the playoffs. But now we're talking about two teams who are quarterbacked by two different people who also have playoff aspirations, and their names are Baker Mayfield and Cam Newton. Each of them had kind of lackluster performances. Which one was more disappointing to you? Yeah, so Cam Newton gets benched for Case Keenum in the middle of it through two interceptions. But Cam Newton was more disappointing to me. So Baker Mayfield only accounted for seven points for his Browns before getting benched. And that was against the the Steelers, though. So the Steelers have one of the best defenses in the league. Which So it almost makes sense. Was it bad? Absolutely. It was terrible. But for Cam Newton to go 17 for 25, less than 160 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns, it was disappointing for me because they're playing the Broncos, who are not fantastic. And you want to talk about a good defense giving a mediocre offense a chance. New England gave up 18 points. That should be enough to win a football game. That's why I'm picking Cam Newton over Baker Mayfield here is because the Steelers ran all over that Browns defense. They scored at will. I think there was 38 points against the Browns for the Steelers. And yes, 38 to seven. So if you're the, if you're the Patriots, you can't be losing football games after giving up 18. It's funny. We didn't chat about this before and maybe we like to always, you know, give the different perspectives, choose other like different, but to me, it's clearly Cam Newton just purely based off who the opponent was. Um, You have Cam Newton versus the Broncos who aren't very good and who gave up 28 points to the horrendous Jets. He made he made the Jets' offense look dy- – like, their defense made the Jets' offense look dynamic. They still – I mean, the Jets obviously still didn't win, but that that's significant. They've – through most – the majority of the season, except for their first game, the Broncos have let up over 20 points in all of those contests. And like you said, Cam Newton couldn't even – couldn't even do that. And Cam – you know – I get he's gone through the whole COVID thing, so I think that probably does have to have something to go, to play into that. Um, and I think he'll bounce back and be fine, and we won't have this conversation much after this. But I do think his performance was more disappointing, and there's there's no reason that he should have lost to the Broncos, even with the revitalized Drew Lock under center and under center for for Denver. So I think it's no brainer because the Steelers are undefeated. Well, they're one of the, the three teams left who haven't lost the game yet. So it's not surprising that the Browns struggled. I think – I know for myself, I was thinking it was going to be more of a contest. The Browns looked good the week prior. Baker Mayfield had – you know, him and the offense were just complimenting him. I saw a tweet, and it was like, I think 
it was from someone who played football, so it does have some relevance and some validity to it, I guess. But it was like, if I were Odell and I were Jarvis Landry, I would demand a trade out of Cleveland immediately. And I don't think we should be saying that this week after everyone was praising that offense the week before. It's that's you know the life of being a football a football fan or football media personality that's what happens everyone's so hot and cold we're here one day we're gone the next and we're out and we should be shipping everybody out so I think we give Baker Mayfield and the Browns kind of they played a really good team give them a little bit of a break before we go oh if it's Cleveland they messed up again because it was a good team now we're going to transition into our what was trending just some things that happened during the games or maybe a little bit after that really stood out to you and you saw some chatter about it in the media. What's yours, Brad? Give me a key and peel reference. As that's exactly what we need right now in 2022. Have you ever seen this, the, the double pump? Have you seen this video? No, but then I saw, I saw it after and then I think I kind of get it. I'm not really okay. sure. So what happened was Comedy Central, Keegan, Mike and, Keegan Michael Key, and, ooh, Jordan Peele. Thank Jordan you. Peele. Jordan Peele. <laughs> they used to, they used to do comedy sketches, and one of them was a spoof on touchdown dances where it was, it was making fun of excessive celebration and the fine line between excessive, excessive celebration. So it was, after you score a touchdown, you're allowed to do two hip thrusts, but three is excessive. So that's what happened. So Aaron Rodgers did two and then was gearing up for the third, and then walked away. And it was fantastic. That's exactly what I needed right now. Everyone that didn't get it was like, what the heck is that guy doing? And then everyone that got it was like, thank you very much. You are automatically the MVP now. <laughs> that Yeah, that was – I was like, okay, I see it. I get that it's a comedy thing. I, I don't get the reference. But I understand – I understood how it was funny because I saw the clip. I just didn't get the context what was going on so thank you brad for giving me context that's very funny i was i was confused i just saw it all over twitter and i was like okay cool funny celebration good for aaron Rodgers. um mine is it's two a time in miami i didn't th- i think probably a couple weeks ago i don't know when it was but i was like yeah we probably don't see two a tongue of Iloa this season as a starter not when ryan fitzpatrick is playing so well he's he's playing well uh, so that that will we let me give you a little context everybody what happened was the dolphins were killing the jets killing them and so what else i guess what else to do brian flores was bored and he's like let's just see what this kid could do and threw him in there in the last couple of minutes of the game and he he made some some short some short passes he didn't do anything crazy he didn't do anything <laughs> He threw two intermediate throws. They were both ca- caught for like 10 yards. Yeah, he, he didn't do much. So it was a little interesting when I get a notification this afternoon. It's Tuesday when we're recording this that says Tua will be the starter after the bye week. And it just got me thinking, I think a lot of people thinking of why now, you know, he, he showed that he can throw intermediate passes like yay we knew that (laughs) so that that or we assumed that he could do that because he was you know they tanked for Tua 
So he better at least be able to do that. So it's kind of like a weird time taking it away from Fitzmagic. You know, he he they're three and three right now. They're above the Patriots currently. They're second place in the AFC East. So to like why take it away now? And I think the only proper explanation in my brain is just because this just shows that they're here to win now. And they think Tua gives them the best chance to win because the only reason that we were saying why would why would you start Tua and it was because this is a bad team they're gonna have you know they're not gonna put them in because they're just gonna lose a lot this season so I think this is kind of showing a little transition in mindset of like we're here and we're here to win and we're gonna do something different but I don't know if this is the correct time yeah I don't know I mean it's it's definitely peculiar. And I think a lot of people were expecting to see Tua later in the year when the Dolphins were out of the playoff picture, but they're not, you know, they're three and three. They have a chance to make the playoffs and that would be, wouldn't that be something, right? I mean, a lot of people were picking the Dolphins to just be horrible, not worse than the Jets, unless you were crazy or something like that. But a lot of people thought that the Dolphins would specifically be bad and they're not, they're a pretty good team. And they can do some things. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'd imagine, has been a great mentor for Tua Tagovailoa. The only explanation I have is that Miami has no intention of winning this year. None. And if they do, cool. But they don't even care about the playoffs. Probably their thought is, okay, what we've, what we've seen in practice, what we – I mean, I can't even see the, say the game because they didn't see anything in the game. What we've seen in practice has, has allowed us, has equipped us to, be, to feel comfortable – in playing Tua, and therefore, since we don't care about winning, let's play the guy that we just signed to a big rookie deal. Yeah, I, I, I obviously, based on my analysis, believe the opposite, that they're now here trying to win. I don't know why at 3-3 three and three in second place in the AFC East, you're going to all of a sudden be like, ah, who cares about winning? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm with you. If I'm Brian Flores, I'm sticking with the hot hand. Ryan Fitzpatrick played one of his best games of – what the the back half of his career, you know, uh, and and that's how he loses his job. I don't know. I do think this though, knowing what I know about Ryan Fitzpatrick as a Jets fan, seeing what he did in, in New York, and by the way, New York loves him. I don't think he's ever going to have to pay for a drink in New York again. Maybe maybe uh, Jersey. I don't know. I, I, the Long Island. That's where the Jets fans typically are. Not really New York, New York. That's Giants territory. But either way. He was great for us, and he brought a sense of professionalism and maturity to the position that I think Miami was looking for with a young rookie quarterback. If he's already done that, then he's done his job. He didn't sign on the dotted line for Miami to throw 400 yards and three touchdowns every week. He signed on the dotted line to be the bridge quarterback for Tua Tagovailoa. And if Tua is ready, then Tua's going to play. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, it was at, at the end of the day, it was a good story that kind of popped up on, on my feed of just – well, there's actually a couple things so we can – before we move on that, that kind of stood out to me that I also want to touch on rather than just the X's and O's of it. But also you had Ryan Fitzpatrick – Patrick Fitzpatrick, who was just telling all the fans in, in Hard Rock Stadium, telling them to get rowdy for his guy, Tua – and there was barely anyone in the stadium, but he tried to get a hype. He was most excited. It was very proud dad vibes that we got right then and there. And then also 
at the end of the game, Tua came back onto the field and sat at the 15, which is where he was injured a year ago. Not on that field, but in – was it Mississippi State? Is that the yeah. game? Okay, thank you. I, I, what, what happens to me and just, like, my sports fandom, I read a whole bunch of stuff, and I don't, like, remember any of it. I just, like, vaguely remember details. So, yes, Mississippi State. Um, so, it was kind of just like a – you know, he sat there and he FaceTimed his parents. The the picture kind of went viral. So there's a lot to unpack with that story, especially because it kind of was developing. So my what was trending took a little bit longer. But we have everyone's favorite segment. I know you guys have been waiting for it. It's fan <gasps> frustration. That's right, fan frustration, and my team was on a bye week, so I'm gonna take a bye right here and let's and let you you start because you have an interesting one that kind of applies to me a little bit. I don't know if yeah, you, you know. I had my pick of the litter, but I chose this one because I thought you might draw that parallel. Le'Veon Bell cut, and he goes to the Chiefs, of course. We signed this guy, had that layoff from Pittsburgh, and we kind of think, okay, this is the guy that's going to make a run with us. You know, maybe not win a Super Bowl because that seemed like a crazy goal, but at the same time, he he knows how to win. We're going to win with him. What do we do? Lose. So much losing. 18 games and $28 million later, he's cut. By the way, yeah, we paid $28 million for 18 games of Le'Veon Bell. So, that happened. Think about all the cupcakes that the Jets could have bought instead of 18 games of Le'Veon Bell. Like gumballs, any other currency that's just worth more than 18 games of Le'Veon Bell. Just saying. So, Adam Gase just completely ruins the back half of Le'Veon Bell's career. And now, he's going to go to the only place that can fix it. And that's Kansas City. Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm buying in because I don't think that Le'Veon Bell forgot how to play football on the drive. It's that close. The drive from Pittsburgh to MetLife. Okay. That's not what happened. What happened was Le'Veon Bell was playing on a team that was setting him up for failure and the exact opposite will be true in Kansas City. So I'm here stirring in the background as a frustrated fan because I'm thinking, man, I just know for a fact that I'm not only going to be watching Le'Veon Bell on Sundays in a Kansas City uniform, but I'm also going to be watching him when it's really cold and potentially in the Super Bowl watching what could have been for the Jets. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. (laughs) I don't like it. But I did something funny. That's I was just on my phone trying to find the tweet. What I usually do is I just like take screenshots of a whole bunch of tweets, and then all I see is a whole bunch of, of things that aren't really relevant to me. But um, there was something that said that – so the Chiefs obviously lost to the Raiders last week, and they were like – they were scrambling. Can't, it, there was a scramble in Kansas City. What are we going to do to beat the Raiders? They were worried. I don't, don't give me that face. I know it sounds ridiculous, but, but bear with me. Bear with me. Stick with me here. They're scrambling. You know what the thing that they did? They said, Le'Veon Bell. Let's add another piece to this monstrous puzzle because the Raiders are just so good that we needed him so, so bad. So, and I was, that was me maybe adding a little bit of, you know, drama to the the tweet. But it was basically like Raiders 
beat the Chiefs. Chiefs solution to that sign Le'Veon Bell. So I don't like it. They have they have a nice looking backfield now, and um, that's kind of scary for me. And I didn't think we're uh, the thing is I'm happy that we got our one win because I knew we weren't winning the second one, and I think even now, even more, not winning the second one at home. So. This is this, but this shouldn't be a fan frustration for you. You should be happy that the the Chiefs even thought of the the Raiders in that sense. Like, oh, now we have to figure out a way to beat them. It's flattering in a way. It'll be very interesting to see though what Le'Veon's role will be on the Chiefs when Clyde Edwards-Alaire is tearing it up in Kansas City right now. Yeah, he he's been he's been phenomenal for sure. Um, great pick on that. I also forgot to mention we were talking about the Dolphins. I remember now picking the Dolphins to be my most improved team. Yeah. So not everyone was thinking they're going to be bad, but we're going to go to my fan frustration. Um, and it's kind of hard on a bye week. We had some people going to like the injury, re- you know, the I- injury reserve IR. Um, and, you know, that's always not great. But what, what kind of got me going this week was the Bucks' performance against the Packers. I don't like the look of that because I'm saying the, the this unbeaten Green Bay team is a complete team, one of the best in the league. I was saying that not too long ago. And I know the Raiders are not that. I think that they are contenders in the AFC, but I don't think that they're the best team in in the whole conference. That's not the right word. In the whole, you know, the whole thing. In the AFC, I'll use the same word again. In the AFC. So, to me, I already kind of circled this on my calendar and kind of and kind of put it down as like a loss. But now, I get confidence from the bye. I'm here trying to ride the wave of the bye and kind of stay hype about my team. And it's really hard when, because they had a bye, no one's really writing about them. So, I can't like read anything that gets me excited it's just like me being like they're good right I don't really remember uh okay they're good I think they're good so that performance uh uh from from Tom Brady and the Buccaneers especially on the offensive side when they did kind of get things going um it worries me as as a Raiders fan with a defense that is is not the best, but they they seem to be evolving I think I don't remember that's the thing about the bye week it erases everything from the front half and just leaves you wondering what the heck is going to happen on Sunday, and that's why I'm frustrated because I have no idea what to expect for the rest of the season, starting with this game against the Buccaneers, who just killed Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And Derek Carr, I love him, but he's no Aaron Rodgers at this moment. So we're having technically a worse quarterback try to beat a team that just roughed up Aaron Rodgers yeah oh yeah. no I'm it's not excited so Jenna is clueless on this <sighs> game, which is a perfect transition for our big game predictions and yeah let's start with the boxing Raiders look I know you just said you don't know but if you have a gun to your head who's winning this football game gun to my head Brad I really want to pick my Raiders here but you just heard me last time I'm confused I'm in anguish I don't know what to expect expect but the one thing I do know is that the Raiders, the Raiders will disappoint me. They'll disappoint me. They will be taking a next step if they beat the Bucs. If they beat the Bucs on Sunday, I, I'm ready to buy in. I'm ready to buy in. We'll if see. They, if, I'm, I, 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 mm. 
I'm taking the Bucks here, even though the Raiders are home, and and we've heard so much about Allegiant Stadium. Oh yeah. I don't know if it's an advantage enough. I think this is a different Bucks team. It's going to be very interesting to see Rob Gronkowski. Was last week a flop, or is this the new and improved Rob Gronkowski? I don't know. But either way, I'm going to take the Bucks. You're taking the Bucks cautiously. We go to our second big game, rapid fire here. Bears, the five and one Bears against the four and two Rams. Could be the Bears' toughest opponent of the year. Who do you have? I'm saying. <laughs> the, the Bears are so confusing to me. I'm going to go Rams, though. I'm going Rams. You know what? Just because, give me the Bears. Just on the off chance that the Bears are actually legit, that defense is still pretty good, and I'm in a road mood. I took the Bucks. I'm taking the Bears. Why not? All right, final one, Steelers-Titans. Close us out. Hey, I'm saying, I'm saying Titans. I've been high on the Titans from the beginning of the season. I picked them to win their division. Um, and that is looking really good right now. I remember we talked about it. I know we're supposed to go quick here, but I know we talked about it. I picked Deshaun Watson as my MVP. Wow, what a horrible horrible pick. And then you kind of questioned why I didn't choose the Texans as my my number, you know, my number one team from the out of that division because it didn't make sense because Deshaun Watson would have to, you know, win a lot of games in division to be an MVP. And I said <laughs> I, I didn't say I don't remember what I said, but now I know it's because I don't Oh, I said because I think the Texans are actually bad. I just think Deshaun Watson's good. And I think that that is the point that we're seeing here. And I said that people forgot that the Titans drove – I'm going to go as far as this. The Titans drove Tom Brady out of New England, you know, with that loss. So I think everyone forgot about that. I am high on the Titans. I'm going to quote DK Metcalf right now and say I am low-key a Titans fan. Hmm, okay. DK Metcalf says so, then it must be true. Look. <laughs> I am, I'd be frightened to play the Titans right now after seeing what they did to the Bills the other week. But I will say this. They're going up against, dare I say, my Steelers, the team I picked to win that NFC North, even though they have the 14-2 and Ravens coming in. No, I knew it would be the Steelers. Steelers are looking pretty good because they're still undefeated. They just beat the Browns down. So give me the Steelers because I can't pick against Pittsburgh. But either way, that's all we have for you on the, this edition of the Go For Two podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, look, if you enjoyed that content, take a look on Twitter at Go For The Number Two Podcast. We also have other, other past episodes. You can replay this one on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on both. Let's go. Let's hear it. We're on both. That's it. Or clap or zoom clap either way thanks so much for joining us if you'd like to hear something else if we missed your team and we and you want to hear about your team by the way if we missed your team it's probably a reason we missed your team you're probably a jets fan or something like that either way send us an email go for the number two pod at gmail.com for jenna alike i'm brian klein saying so long i'll see you next next week folks